Welcome back to Pandanomics, a series exploring the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on Canadians and on the economy. My name is Stephen Maurice. I'm the editor of Scotiabank Perspectives. It's no secret that the pandemic has had a disproportionate impact on women in terms of employment and career impacts, the so-called she-session, how women have taken on much of the additional work that comes with having children at home while also working full-time. This has raised all kinds of questions about how businesses support women in their careers, both during the pandemic and, and afterward. To talk about those issues, I'm joined by Barb Mason, Group Head and Chief Human Resources Officer at Scotiabank. Barb, welcome to Pandanomics. Thank you very much. Great to, great to see you, Stephen. So Barb has been with the bank since 1982 and has held senior roles in wealth management, marketing, real estate, among others, and of course, uh, human resources. She's a member of the bank's operating committee made up of the bank's most senior executives, where she helps determine and guide the overall strategic direction of the bank. Barb, maybe you can talk a little bit about that journey from 1982 to 2020 uh, and what it was like coming up as a woman and executive in those early days uh, when banking, I'm guessing, was very much a male environment. Uh, thanks. Yeah, <clears throat> I have to say it was, you know, it was really, really different. Um, and I'm surprised sometimes that uh, I made it through the journey. And that's, you know, for a variety of reasons. I graduated uh, school as a geographer and you know, a geographer in a bank, that's kind of an, you know, about as far apart as you can get. Uh, and, uh, but my degree was in spatial analysis, which is where you locate retail outlets to drive maximum uh, business returns. And so how I joined the bank was a branch location analyst. Geography is an interesting degree because it teaches you uh, to consider a lot of things in order to make a decision. So you are you learn very quickly how to what people might call connect the dots or think more strategically because you have to take a lot of things into consideration and especially in a degree like spatial analysis. And so it really, I found it fascinating working in a bank because I, I saw so many things that other people didn't see because of that educational background and maybe my personality as well. And so I was able to see opportunities at a relatively young age and make recommendations to the bank that were not, uh, they, they, other people were not thinking about. And so I ended up working in areas that were, were relatively nascent in terms of their, their sophistication at the bank. So whether it was credit cards or self-service banking uh, or um, uh, marketing, sales and service, these were all areas that were underdeveloped relative to some of our other competitors and other industries. And it was kind of like, give it to Barb, see if she can do something with it. Uh, and so... What was great about that was that I always had the opportunity to work in areas that there wasn't a lot of institutional knowledge about those areas. And so I was able to take more calculated risk, think more outside the box, look at what best in class was and and really shift the bank's capabilities in those regard in that regard quite significantly. Experientially, it was very male dominated, but I guess I really I always thought to myself that I needed to do a, you know, a really good job stood for everything. And, uh, um, you know, I learned early on that I could do it because I was a terrible student in, in, in high school. And I only learned at university that I could actually get very good marks. And I had a, had a, not a bad brain. And so, but it, it taught me to apply myself, uh, very diligently. And so I did that and I always wanted to, to, I felt very responsible to do a good job. So I ended up working really hard. And if things got in my way, because I was a woman, I just went in a different direction. Um, moved to a different department, 
avoided a certain individual, ignored comments and just said, you know, it's my job to show that uh, I've earned this opportunity and that my views and recommendations and approach are, are worth it. And so when I look back, it was certainly nowhere near as friendly an environment as it is today. Um, today, there's a lot more support. Do we have a ways to go? Absolutely. But um, in those days, you really had to operate quite independently. So it, it sounds like you came in with certain sort of specialized knowledge that um, that allowed you to sort of uh, prove yourself because you had skills maybe that weren't as widely held. But more broadly, in terms of sort of what what the culture and what the environment was was like, I'm guessing it was different for women. Did you did you? It, it sounded like you were able to sort of battle through that yourself. Uh, through your own skills and will and so on, but did it was was that difference in culture sort of widely visible? I would say no. There was a there was a few women that were doing that at the time. There was women before me that had done that. First branch managers, you know, executive um, you know uh, support to this to the uh, chairman at the time. So there were a few senior women to kind of look up to and uh, uh, have as role models, but certainly there weren't very many. So. Um, yeah, later in later in my career, in my in the middle of my career, obviously there was more senior women at the time, uh, but I think that it was still uh, the way the company operated was people were selected for jobs as opposed to feeling like you were. I had to be sponsored. I had to be mentored. There was more of a you know here's a letter on your desk that says you're now doing this job. Somebody somewhere decided that and gave you the opportunity. So it wasn't the same today where there's so many jobs and so many different opportunities. The company was a lot smaller then. And so today that, you know, getting known in the organization and having those mentors and sponsors who can support you, um, you know, getting direct feedback, being coached well, these are all things that make such a difference now for women in the organization. That's for sure. I want to, I'll come back a little bit later to sort of that situation broadly for women and what the future looks like and how, uh, how we can continue to make progress on that front. But I want to just talk about sort of the last year a little bit because it has put so many strains on so many people. Uh, it's been almost exactly a year since lockdowns began, since everybody went home and changed people's lives drastically with kids at home, less contact with parents, working at home, more isolated lives in, in a whole bunch of ways. What have you heard from employees and especially women about the impact of that, both on their careers and on their personal lives? Yeah, I think it's been really, you know, it's been very tough. And uh, I, I can just speak personally that, uh, you know, we have two sons and our sons moved back home uh, at 20 20 and or 21 and 24 uh, for a period of time through, you know, probably, I guess now it's about five or six months of the pandemic. So all of a sudden you're, you know, they're not kids, but you're still a mom again, right? Mm -hmm. My husband also went through surgery and my mother is in long, a long-term care home. So juggling all of that at the same time and feeling the responsibility to, you know, be there as a as a wife, as a mom, as a daughter, we're obviously feeling hugely responsible to supporting our employees to the greatest extent possible. And so many employees, all of us in different individual situations. Um, but it's certainly because my, my husband was going, um, was getting ready for surgery and then having surgery, 
uh, he couldn't do a lot either. So all of a sudden the responsibility on my shoulders was enormous. And, uh, you know, earlier when the children were smaller, I, uh, my husband did a huge amount. And so I was very well supported by my partner in the home. Um, and I think that what we've seen through this pandemic is that that balance of, you know, that work-life balance um, in the home and how, um, how is that balance spread across members of the household? That's what we're seeing. It's still, it's still um, far more skewed towards women. Um, and personally, what I've been through, I just, you just, uh, my heart goes out because it's so, uh, it's so challenging. And so um, I think there's some things we have to think about that this pandemic situation has taught us um, as a company and also socially that we have to think harder about. Um, and, you know, I would say that, you know, as a company, we've, we've been on a path to greater flexibility in roles and allowing people to work from different locations as they need to. Our technology is now at a state where that's really very high quality. So people can be productive and not have technical issues the vast majority of the time. Um, and also that the understanding that people can be as productive or more productive in different environments that are more conducive to the type of work that they're doing or their personal needs at that point in time, I think the organization has really matured enormously through this period. And that means that there is more flexibility for individual personal situations, whether you're a woman or from any other community within the organization. Um, I think that that has improved enormously. I wonder sometimes, you know, we sit through so many uh, video meetings and we've become accustomed to obviously seeing people in their homes, but seeing kids pop up and, you know, people have to take emergency calls because they're dealing with older parents. I know you you have that, you're in that situation. I'm in the same situation. I, I wonder whether that, like the upside of that is that it, you know, sort of, normalizes or just makes us or makes the bank as a culture more aware of, you know, the, the challenges that people face outside of their work life and how that has to be sort of incorporated in the, in within the culture. I think it's a very wise statement. And, you know, I like to call it organizational intimacy is that it's just there's an intimacy that's been created because we are all in our homes, in our personal lives and and trying to come to work every day with all of that context around us. And we've, we've, we've found that um, for the vast majority of employees, being able to talk about that, being able to be open about that, not having to hide it um, is far healthier for people. You know, we've created common groups, you know, places where, okay, if you're a single parent or you're a parent with kids or you're in a living by yourself in a condo, um, there are different communities facing different individual situations and we've created places for them to go and find each other and share solutions and talk about what um, has worked for them and to find people who are in the same boat because there's nothing like finding people who are in the same boat as you to make you feel, okay, I'm not alone. And here are the challenges mm -hmm. and getting some good ideas or just venting, uh, that's really, really important. It's happening all over the place and that transparency or intimacy has been I think very, very, I, well, I know from the feedback's been very helpful for our employees. Mm -hmm. And it, on a more formal level as the head of human resources across the entire company, what kind of measures do you, I know you think about that a lot, what kind of measures has the bank 
taken to to make those accommodations, you know, to make sure this works for people? Well, you know, we're, we're, we've done a lot of things. I think that, you know, first of all, the, you know, flexibility to your point is that it's been mandated, if you will, because of the pandemic. And I now, and I think, and I know that we will, when we come back to the office, so to speak, we are thinking about how do we incorporate flexibility into that far more. As I talked about the support infrastructure in terms of managers being coaches, how do you conduct management meetings in virtual environments? How do you support your staff? How do you ask for feedback? How do you check in on how employees are doing? Those are all things that we've put in lots of short, easy to understand digital training um, or learning tools that people can go to places to, to source that out. There's been things like, you know, we know that there are people who the home environment is not supportive to do work from, whether there's domestic violence, whether there is, you know, a number of people in a home, multiple generations and trying to do work. So if they can, they, there's a, they've been able to uh, call our Ask HR team and they can find a spot for them to go and work an office desk so they can come in every day. Some people for mental health, that is very important. Coming to work and that routine is very important. So giving them those opportunities. Our Ask HR team has fielded all sorts of calls on all sorts of things. Our partnership with Manulife, giving mental health support and um, our uh, Akira, our virtual app, things like that. These benefits have been enormously valued by employees used, you know, the usage rates are very, very high. And these are all things that people, employees are tapping into. So every single day, we're trying to think of things that, okay, in that situation, what could we do to, to help? And so capabilities, learning, applications, benefits, um, these are all expanding and we're doing as much as possible to put those in place as well as connect employees to each other so they can talk about stuff that's important, important to them. When I you talked about women, in the workplace and you know my observation that you know that or your observation and that's very true is that we still have a lot of women who are carrying a lot more of the responsibility and i think it's a wonderful opportunity for us to reflect also on that balance between you know i'll say men and women but two partners but still most you know households with children are in a male and female um relationship and that you know there is a there is the opportunity for men to pick up more of that responsibility is really, really important. And I think, you know, I've talked to a lot of men who go, honestly, I had no idea. I had no idea. Maybe their, maybe their partner was a stay at home um, mom or their partner was taking care of elder parents to your point, or their partner was um, uh, in a sandwich generation, but their awareness of how much has to happen and that men starting to pick up and taking on more of that responsibility, I think there is a huge opportunity to celebrate that and continue to celebrate that because there is still a stigma around men doing more in the home or men taking parental leave or men being the stay-at-home dad and that opportunity for that to become more equal and for the social stigmas around men. You know, the optionality for women today to be anything they want is really great. For men, it's still more closed. And I think that if that was to start to evolve a little bit more, we would see not only less stress obviously on women, but also their ability to advance further because the workload, if you so to speak, is shared and it's shared willingly and openly. Which is a, a good transition into sort of talking about a future state, even a, you know, a post COVID state, which, you know, hopefully we'll get to before too much longer. What can you do on your side or what can the bank do 
to try and influence that, what you were just talking about. I mean, obviously, you know, the bank can't tell men to wash the dishes or make dinner, but are, are there other ways that the culture can change to encourage the kind of behavior that you're talking about? I think it's that, like we talk about with anything that we want to change, you need role models, you need to educate yourself, you need to listen, you need to have champions. Um, we need to celebrate when, you know, men take paternity leave. We need to have men of older generations maybe talk about what they wish they could have done. Um, they need to encourage it with their teams. And so it can certainly help the um, women's advancement and their ability to um, do, you know, the work-life balance can be, sometimes it has to be more work and less home. And it gives them the flexibility to do that, which is what you need as you advance through um, through an organization because sometimes the workload is enormous and sometimes it's a little bit less. And so how much you, how much flexibility you have, whether the company's putting that in place for you in terms of where you work and the technology to enable you to do that, but also that your home environment is conducive to it as well. Right. And so what do you see? And I guess is more in terms of our own women employees, what are the next big steps that are needed for for advancing women's careers or making sure that they have those opportunities? I mean, I'm going to guess that parental leave and childcare are somewhere at the forefront. Um, would, would that be the case? It's really about sustained practices in a company that's so important. And that's why, you know, I, I personally, I'm not a fan of quotas and things like that because they create a quick fix and it feels good because you've got some percentages but the infrastructure underneath to sustain those women isn't there. So early on in your career, ensuring that you are, you know, when the first time you become a people manager, that we, we now have manager essentials course, everybody who becomes a people manager for the first time, because that's so different. That type of work is so different. And yeah. you have a huge responsibility to coach and give feedback and grow your team. So doing it at that point, then proper mentorship and sponsorship programs, which we're now putting, we had them before, We've restarted them, and I think in a far more committed way. Coaching and feedback from management, um, good learning programs, make, ensuring that women have the same opportunities in terms of being considered for roles, and that our panels that assess are are diverse. You know, and that's whether it's women or BIPOC or anything else. Those are sustained practices in an organization that don't change, and so it's making those systemic. That's what creates the opportunity for women to go through the organization, feel well-supported, have a really big job, become an executive, stay in that role, and always feel supported um, and encouraged, and that the system is working, because it is really about who we are, what our minds can bring, and our experiences can bring, and not the package that they come in. And so, you know, that will be ultimately the day, and that's what, you know, we keep trying to emphasize is learn, educate, listen, to understand so that your biases start to disappear, your intentional or unintentional biases start to disappear. And there's a, I would say in the organization we've done, we're doing far more of that than we ever have. We're listening, we're creating listening sessions, we're listening to experiences of different people, we're educating ourselves more so that then when we act, it is a sustainable change. It's not because it's Black History Month or because our numbers, percentages of women have gone down, so let's do something quick so we can get the numbers back up. That's that's not what this is all about anymore. It is about sustained change, whether it's Black Lives Matter or anything else. It's got to be sustained. Yeah. It's not about just I feel bad for a period of time. 
Yeah, I think the bank has been very vocal on those issues and I think in a and is trying to do it in a sustained way and not just sort of marking token dates or anniversaries or whatever it has to be part of part of the everyday thing. But uh, what would you say if you were asked about how that position matches up with the fact that you know at the very senior levels um there's there's still a I would say a significant gender gap uh, at the very senior levels of the bank. Um, how do how do you square those two things? For more women to get into executive ranks, you have to really make sure that it's right from the pipeline all the way up to the senior ranks. You know, we now have two women on our op- operating committee at the organization. You know, we're up to in Canada uh, just a snitch under forty percent of our vice presidents above are women. Um, and so that number has been increasing. And the thing is to not, if it slips back a percentage or two, it doesn't mean that the organization has taken its eye off the ball. It's just that given the wave of people going through the jobs, you might have a ton of great candidates in these three years and then not so many in the next because of circumstances or because it reflects what we were doing in that year. So you have to just manage it all the way through the pipeline um, and continue to keep it uh, well-resourced, if you will, and, and people well supported. And that's for any community. And if you think about it, we're starting further behind with, with BIPOC. So it's about the systemic change, as I said, not the, not the flavor of the month, not the, and I, I, when I look back, I think that society, not just this company, but society in general has tended to do that rather than a fundamental belief that inclusive work environment is great. And a fundamental belief that diverse experiences make for better companies overall. Okay, well, I'm just going to ask you one more question and to look even further down the road. I know you spend a lot of time studying workforce trends and you have to plan for things that are coming, I don't know, six months, two years, whatever down the road. What are the changes in in what potential employees, what young people want from an employer and how do you plan for that, whether it's in physical space or in trying to create a culture that people are going to want to be part of? Oh, it's a huge, big question and, uh, you know, an important one. I would say that, you know, when we talk about the work environment, they want the ability to customize what the bank offers to them to the greatest degree possible. So when, when I'm in my work environment, I want the environment to be conducive to my work. So if I'm with a whole bunch of people, we want a highly collaborative setting. If I want to do individual work, I want to be able to do it um, in in a quiet setting. If it's individual work, I want to be able to do it at home. So as long as it's a secure environment where I can do that type of work and we're following all of the compliance and privacy regulations, that flexibility is very important. In our benefits, how do we make them as customizable as possible? So for my personal situation, what do I need, whether it's in terms of health benefits, whether it's in terms of vacation days, whether it's in terms of where I work, those are all things that the more I can customize what the bank offers to my personal circumstances, the more productive I'll be and the more um, satisfied I'll be as an employee. And I think that culturally that means that two things, the organization is sending a signal of trust. So you're responsible, you know, you get compensated by the bank, you service customers, you need to deliver to shareholders. We've got big stakeholders here, regulators, customers, shareholders, and each other. And so being accountable to deliver on that and then having the flexibility to do that in different locations with different benefits supporting you, 
Um, I think that's going to be more and more how the company will evolve. And I think that culturally, that ESG component will be more and more important to next generations who are taking care of you know the planet in addition to the other stakeholders that I talked about. So how we perform as an organization and supporting that shift, I think, will be very critical. And as you know, our our core purpose is for every future. And uh, it is. It's every future that presents itself for customers, for employees, for the company, and for the world, the economy. And our ability to be flexible, respond to that, supportive, be a strong partner, those are the things that make a great company. And so I see employees wanting that. I see customers wanting that. Shareholders are expecting it. And so the more that we can make the company more flexible, more agile, and adaptable to that, the better. All right. Well, I think that's a great way to wrap it up. Barb, I really want to thank you for joining us. It was a really interesting conversation. Could have gone on longer, but uh, that's all the time we have today. So thanks a lot. Thank you very much, Stephen. Take care. I've been speaking with Barb Mason, Group Head and Chief Human Resources Officer at Scotiabank. Thanks for listening to Pandanomics. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe on Apple, Google, or Spotify. Please see the Scotiabank website for legal disclaimers.